0: Hey, and welcome to Property Australia's Favourite Obsession. My name's Jeremy Cowan and today it's all about tax. See, we've got Craig Shirley from Cass Accountants here to talk about a very little known rule that could save you literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's a rule that I've personally used at times and it has to do with a little quirk in the tax acts. And it starts with this very generous idea that the family home or your principal place of residence is tax free. And see then, when we talk about property, we generally divide this asset up into two segments, either our family, home, or investment properties. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So from Craig, so from Cass Accountants, please welcome Craig Shirley. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Craig. So, Craig, let's start off with this question of what is a primary price of residence? Well, to
1: be honest with you, it's normally pretty simple that's where you live. Um, so... Yeah, if one of those looks like a dark crap, like a dark test, you live there, your mail goes there, your licence is that address, your electoral roll is that address. Um, if all those things are basically pointing to the same house, then that is your principal place of residence. Uh,
0: and we're talking, of course, here um, with regards to home ownership, aren't we, not people who are renting, but um, specifically yeah, home Yeah, that's home correct. Um,
1: people who are renting... Um, are uh, not relevant from the perspective of capital gains tax and principal place of residence.
0: And the Australian Tax Act, it's very generous towards the family home, isn't it?
1: Uh, yes. Well, as a general rule, the family home is tax exempt, um, which basically means if you do make any capital growth on it over the time you live in it, you in most circumstances have to pay no tax at all on it.
0: And this, I believe, is one of the few assets that we've got in Australia. This is the case, isn't it?
1: Yeah, pretty much anything else you make money on the tax um, act will have some sort of taxation on it, that's for sure.
0: And so, what if we look then with regards to investment properties, Craig? You know, how is the tax situation uh, dealt with um, on a capital gain in an investment property?
1: Um, well, basically, you pretty much. Um, take what you sold it for minus what you paid for it, and of course, with adjustment costs like agent fees or stamp duty or titles registry charges um, to determine the gain. In the case where the investment property was a rental property, my vast majority of time people would have claimed ongoing expenses like rates or interest as part of the rental schedules they lodged every year. So you don't take them into account with the capital gain. However, it was, say, a block of land. You can claim interest you paid on a loan against that land um, and council rates over the period in which you own it. So now you've worked out what your capital gain is. So sale proceeds, less all those cost-based elements that may have occurred. You then, um, if you owned it for over 12 months, you are entitled to a 50% discount. Mm. So you pretty much just halved the tax burden right away. And then it just basically gets added to your marginal rates. So the tax treatment of whatever figure you have after that will depend on what your personal tax position is. So if you're earning 250 grand a year, you will pay 47% top marginal rate on all of that. That yeah, that includes the Medicare levy. If you are a not earning any other income in that year at all, you will be entitled to have the first, you know. Eighteen grand for free, up to forty-five at nineteen cents, and so on as you work through the tax brackets.
0: So this, so just going over that. So basically, what you're saying is we take um, our sale price, then we um, take out all our costs associated with it, gives us our capital gain. If we've held up for more than twelve months, we can divide it in half and add it to yep. our tax return. That is correct. So, what about um, the concessions um, or, or or deductions that are available from a uh, from an investment point of view? Because they're not available to a principal place of residence, are they? We don't get to deduct our expenses for a um, principal place of residence, but we do for an investment property.
1: Yes, that is correct. Like if you have an investment property which does have actually have some income on it, the classic example being a tenanted you know property where you have a person on a year by year lease. Um, you have rent, therefore you're allowed, which is an income source, therefore you are allowed to claim expenses against that rent, such as loan interest, council rates, water charges, agents' fees, repairs, um, and also in certain circumstances claim depreciation, but that's only in the case of new properties. So you claim all those expenses and if the total of those expenses is greater than the rent you collected, you are what's known as negative geared and you get a tax benefit, claiming that negative gearing as a deduction on your return. If it's positively geared, i.e. your rent is greater than your expenses, then you'll be expected to pay um, income tax at your normal marginal rate on whatever that rental surplus is. Um, And in regards to the depreciation issue, in order to claim depreciation now, you must be the first owner of the property, i.e. you bought it off a builder or a developer, or you are only claiming for works that you paid for, like you did a major renovation.
0: Hmm. Okay. So the reason I wanted to go through that um, a little bit laboriously is to make it really clear. Our primary place of residence is not subject to capital gains tax. Uh, an, right. invest, an investment property is subject to capital gains tax, and that will be yep. divided by two or halved mm-hmm. if we've held it for more than 12 months. At yep. primary place of residence, we don't get to claim any deductions um, or expenses against that uh, property. No. But an in investment property, we do get to claim expenses and deductions against that property. Yes, that's correct. Now, there's a little quirk in the Tax Act, and I'm referring to the six-year rule, which actually allows owners to double dip, essentially, doesn't it? Do you want to explain this six-year rule to, to listeners?
1: Yeah, okay. So the principle of the six-year rule, and I will explain why it was brought in because it adds um, sort of e- emphasis. Basically, a lot of people, for instance, go overseas for a few years on a work assignment or interstate. So the six-year rule basically says that if you have no, no longer reside at your principal place of residence and you potentially even rented out to a lease, you know, person you've leased it to, um, for up to six years after you've moved out, you can still claim principal place of residence exemption on that property. Um, and the idea is you go, you do your foreign assignment or interstate assignment, whatever it is you're doing, you then return and resume, be it being your principal place of residence or maybe you sell it. Um, so, but the, there are a couple of things that have to be um met, parameters that have to be met to claim this. One, you cannot have bought another residence and lived in it.
0: So, um, so we can only have, we can only claim one as a principal place of residence. That no? is correct. So
1: if you were to try to claim a six year rule on a property you're selling
0: now, but it, four
1: years ago you went and bought a second property and moved into it, you're essentially um, uh, messing with the principal property status of the second home. So you're really only supposed to use this rule if you have one property that you've lived in and you have not had a new principal place of residence exempt property. It doesn't matter if you rented. Um, so for instance, you were in Melbourne and you got put to Perth on a works convent or something and you rented a place in Perth for four years and then you sold your property in Melbourne. That would still be fine. But if you purchased a property in Perth and moved into that, Now we've got
0: issues. So in that case, say we're moving from from Melbourne to Perth um, Mm -hmm. and four years in, we decided that we're going to purchase a primary place of residence in Perth. Mm -hmm. Um, So originally we had essentially up to six years that we could claim um, our principal place of residence back in Melbourne and all the deductions associated with it. At that fourth year, as soon as we purchase another principal place of residence, our six years essentially becomes four years, doesn't it? That we can claim up to those four years, but once we have a new principal place of residence, then we can no longer claim the tax free status on a Melbourne property.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, as I said, you can't really have overlapping principal places of residence. That, Um, There is a slight overlap you can have if you're moving from one place to the other just to allow for settlement and all that sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. you can really only claim one property at a time. Mm. Um, You can't have concurrent principal places of residence.
0: What happens, uh, Craig, if um, the home wasn't originally purchased as a principal place of residence, but was purchased as an investment property. So I'm renting at the moment. I decide that I'm going to purchase a property. Um, So I purchase a a rental property. Um, Can I claim the status, the six-year rule for that particular property?
1: Uh, Well, it was originally not a main residence. It was an investment. So if we say for sake of argument, you rented it out for five years, then you moved into it for 10, then you did the Perth thing and rented it out for another two years and then you sold it. Um, You could claim it based on the last two years, but you could not claim it on the first five years. Mm. Um, So you can only claim the six-year rule after it was your principal place of residence not for before it was your principal place
0: of residence and that's a really important distinction here isn't it to make sure like you know i guess it shows once again why it's so important that people get um you know personal um, tax advice uh, specific to their circumstances because i've heard of a number of people who have tried to do this that they are renting and essentially want to rent vest and purchase another Mm -hmm. property and so they purchase an investment property thinking that they can claim this six-year rule. But part of the requirements for that six-year rule, as you just said, is that it is your primary place of residence before it becomes an investment. Exactly. So with that scenario where it was five years, then 10 years, then two years, you
1: could basically say that of that 17-year history of the property, 12 would be considered primary residence, five, the first five would be considered hmm. um, but You cannot backward claim it. You can only forward claim it in terms of what years you can consider still your principal place of residence, up to six, of course. Um, You can't, uh, yeah, so you can't buy an investment property and then try to use this rule to say, owner for five years move six months and then sell it that correct
0: however you can turn a principal place of residence into an investment property and then claim it as your continuing investment property essentially all the deductions but also claim the six-year rule of capital gains tax exemption yes
1: that can be done as long as you don't buy a new premises or buy a new residence
0: sorry i was gonna say there's also another quirk as i understand that um you're not allowed to be a foreign resident are you
1: Um, No, if you're – now, this is um, based on tax residency, not necessarily visa residency, because they're not entirely the same thing. Um, So if you're not considered an Australian resident for tax purposes, you cannot claim a principal place of residence exemption. Think of it logically. If you're not an Australian tax resident, then how can you be living here Um, yeah, and claiming Australian tax exemptions? So you're right. If you are a foreign investor, there is no way you're going to be claiming this.
0: And so, Craig, what happens? Um, you know, let's assume I'm having a wonderful time zipping around the country in my caravan since I'm no longer allowed to get on a flight and go to Europe or uh, wherever I might want to go to. Um, and you know, those six years they just fly on by, and all of a sudden I find myself knocking on the seventh year. Uh, what happens um, when I roll over into that seventh year? Well,
1: basically, as soon as you do that, you can no longer use the rule. Um, so it is a strict requirement that you, um, sell the property within six years of moving out. So if you do tick over seven years, then this rule just no longer applies. Um, so now you'll have a property which had a period of primary residence and a period of being an investment.
0: So what happens, Craig, um, if I sell another, pro- sell it and I buy another property, um, that is a principal place of residence. Then I just roll over from my six years, or within that six-year time frame, sell that property and uh, move into my new principal place of residence, and I can once again claim that tax-free status. Correct
1: on uh, the new residence. Yes. yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just really quickly, then, Craig, just before we wrap it up, you know, if mm-hmm. I if I do undertake this, besides obviously, um, you know, seeking out professional taxation advice, um, what sort of records, and paperwork, do I need to keep?
1: Uh, well, yeah, it always, um, particularly with property sales, source docs, um, so you should have contracts that have been signed both when you purchased it and when you sold it, that the real estate agents organise, and there'll be like legal settlement statements that your conveyancer solicitor should provide. You definitely want to keep those, um, and if you are claiming things like loan interest because you say, for instance, had a holiday home that you did not rent out. Um, and you want to claim the interest that's period? well, you've got to keep your bank loan statements for the entire time um, and, you yeah, know, rates notices and water charges. But for most people, if it's you're renting it out or it's pretty clear cut, it will be contract of sale um, and your real estate agents, whatever you sign with the real estate agent, um, you settle the statement from the solicitor and when you purchased it, you settle the statement from the solicitor and contract of sale. But you definitely, I mean, I can't imagine why people would throw those documents out anyway, but you definitely need to keep those mm.
0: Well, let's wrap it up there, Craig. I guess it just shows once again, you know, how important, you know, tax and the legal structure, because we're talking potentially, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars that you can save by invoking that six-year rule correctly. Um, and it just shows how important um, you know tax and property, how it's all intertwined and and it's and you know as in individuals, we've got to get you know professional taxation advice specific to our circumstances. And once again, I should discuss or or, or stress that anything here that we've discussed is is not personal advice, um, and that everyone should, of course seek their own professional taxation advice. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add on this topic at all, Craig? Um,
1: well, Probably the main the main misconception I run into with people who want to apply this rule is they um, think that they can apply it when they bought a new place, mm. and they don't un- understand. So that's just something that's obviously out there, um, and they don't understand that that um, basically messes up the principal place of residence on the place. So um, yeah, just to be reinforced that rule that you can only have PPOR on one place at a time. Yeah. So you can't rule if you've bought another property and then moved into it.
0: Well Craig, if um, listeners have got any questions uh, specific to their own <laughs> circumstances or just want to have a chat, uh, where's the best way to uh, get in contact with you?
1: Um, well you can go through our website um, com dot .au um, give me a buzz on 0438470005 or admin at cisaccountants.com.au.
0: I'll, of course, put those details in your show notes for anyone who does want to get in contact with Craig. Personally, I'd like to urge you all to make sure that you do have an accountant on your investing team because, um, you know, it's just so important. They can add so much value and you really want one who's, you know, proactive, approachable, and, of course, competent and licensed. A great advisor like yourself, Craig, can save thousands of dollars. Indeed. Craig, it's always a pleasure chatting to our listeners. I'd like to say thank you. I've been your host, of course, Jeremy Cowan. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about us at Property Australia's Favourite Session. And until next time, Craig, let's keep obsessing about property.
1: Any opinions or recommendations expressed should be considered general in nature, as they do not consider your personal objectives or financial circumstances. You should therefore consider these matters yourself before deciding whether the advice is appropriate to you and if you should act upon it. Should advice be sought, please seek an appropriately qualified advisor. Investing may not be appropriate for everyone as there is inherent risk and the possibility of loss when investing in financial assets, just as there is the possibility of profits. While useful for identifying patterns, history and past performance do not guarantee future performance. Carolyn has a commercial relationship with guests appearing on this production.